Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Let's have a Tuesday. Get to celebrate a big Kings win. 132 to 120. De'Aaron Fox was back. The Kings looked like the Kings. All is right with the world. Forget the previous 10 games. Season starts now. Let's go. 1-0, baby. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) 1-0. What we said going into this stretch of five games, remember that's what Mike Brown always does. You take the season in five-game stretches, and they began this one with a loss, a blowout loss to the Rockets in Houston. And then you started looking at this stretch, and you're going, man, I don't Mm. know how many wins are in here. OKC's tough. Cleveland's tough. They handled both teams with with relative ease, and they look to be on their way to having a winning record through these five games. This is why you don't get too high and why you don't get too low. The biggest takeaway for me last night was De'Aaron Fox is back, and the Kings looked like the team we saw last season with maybe some ratcheted up defensive intensity. Yeah, I think Keegan Murray continues to take steps in the right direction on the defensive end. His, uh, his ability to slow down Donovan Mitchell was incredible. I just watched like the the replay right now on NBA TV. I just watched a sequence where he deflected two balls in a row out of bounds mm-hmm. and then deed up uh, Mitchell on a fallaway jumper and, and he didn't even get close. Like his, uh, his defensive intensity, maybe he can be the guy who leads the way because mm-hmm. they've been he waiting for that. They've been waiting for that. Yeah, they've needed that stopper on the wings. Yeah. And they've not really had it. Like, God bless Davion Mitchell. He's a fine on-ball defender, but at six foot, there's always going to be limitations to which players he can guard. Now, Keegan Murray, at 6'8", if he's going to be as good as he was last night against Donovan Mitchell, he is a one through four slash five, depending on the five type of defender. Yeah. And I'm, if that's he... what you're going to get night in and night out, that by itself, forget scheme, forget everything else, that by itself can flip the Kings defensive rating from 24th 25th to 16th or 17th yeah i i just thought like watching him work was really really impressive and you know his skill level his his body is different he even talked about it in post game last night he said i'm just more athletic this year yeah i'm like how do you just get more athletic well you work hard you exercise dog you exercise <laughs> you exercise <laughs> Like this, Keegan, comes, how'd the exercise going? This yeah, offseason? how did that exercise go? Um, yeah, I couldn't be more impressed. And you know, when you have a guy who's doing this, it makes everything easy. Everything else falls in the line. So, if you have him slowing down, and, and because of his length, because of his quickness, his size, mm-hmm. if he's slowing down Mitchell on the perimeter, it makes it easier for you to rotate 
because everything like goes into slow mo. Yep. And so I, I'm just watching the the all the all of the Kings rotations with him as their centerpiece on the defensive end. Super impressive. Now he's got to do it like another like 74 times or something. Uh, and then maybe another 82 after that next season before we start like sure. anointing him. But sure. uh, it's a good start. Good start for him. It's the first time we've seen him be that level of defender, I think. Yeah, yeah. Where I, the, the, the body type was always there to be that. But it was, man, is he going to be able to to guard the Donovan Mitchells of the world one-on-one and take on that assignment on a nightly basis? And last night, uh, he he pointed the arrow that direction. Yeah, and I would say that Mike Brown's focus has always been that if you aren't hitting your shots or whatever, right, mm. you need to do something else to get you going. Impact winning. Yeah. I think, though, when you're dealing with the whole group of offensive players, you have to understand as a coach that it might be the reverse. Mm-hmm. If you can get them going offensively, then everything else works better. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're starting to see. He hit his shots. Everything felt right. You know, he was aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to see the maturation of Keegan Murray right in front of our eyes. Yeah, a lot, lot of lot of growth from from him, from from Kevin Herter, from a guy like Keon Ellis, who we'll talk about today. And that's that's certainly a good sign for the Kings when all season we all off season we talked about taking steps, improving on last year. Last year was fun. How do you get better? Uh, what we saw last night from Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray is how you get better. Let's get to your six quick thoughts, though. You publish these on Twitter after every single game. What is your first quick thought from last night, James Ham? Yeah, welcome back. De'Aaron Fox returned to action after missing five games, and it took all of seven seconds for him to get on the scoreboard. Hilarious. Yeah, he was... So funny. Yeah, the all-star guard looked 100% healthy. He finished with, is my point total wrong there? 23 points, five assists, two rebounds. That sounds right. No, I no, think 28. He, had, he, had he had 28. He had 28. Yeah, that's that's unusual for me. Oh, I fixed it during... Yeah, uh, I, I sent these over earlier. Uh, so 28 points, five rebounds. Uh, I have five assists, two rebounds. They're just a different team with him on the court, Kyle. They are. Yeah, yeah you can tell the the urgency, the speed that they play with, the fear he puts into opposing defenses and the way that opposing defenses have to scramble when he gets ahead of steam and he gets through the first level and gets into the paint. Like That's a problem because he has that float game. He has the ability to kick it out. And once that ball starts hopping in the Kings offense, that's that's what they want. And De'Aaron Fox kind of drives all of that. Yeah, it doesn't matter how long the defenders are. Mm-hmm. If you're getting a paint touch and they're taking one step towards the middle, it opens everything up yep. for the entire team. Uh, yep. our, our number two uh, quick thought from last night. Too strong. Uh, Sabonis loves to go up and get the skinny shot blocker types. He abused Jared Allen. He abused Evan Mobley. Uh, he just shoved his way to the hoop. Um Finish with see again. 23 points. Yeah, my numbers are off because I, <laughs> I, I had this. Uh, 23 points, 9 assists, 11 rebounds. Uh, I believe rebounds? it was 9 boards, 10 assists. 9 boards, 10 assists. He missed a triple-double. Uh, he's missed a triple-double in two of the last three games by one, either rebound or assist. I'm ready to cut him. He also, <laughs> the other game, he had a triple-double. Nice. Good for Domas. Number three. Uh, rounding into shape, Keegan Murray struggles maybe over his second year forward, continues to show he's more than a three-point shooter. Scored in all three levels, finished with 23 points, and I believe it's eight rebounds. Um, yeah, really, really strong performance by Keegan Murray, but he was one of many. 25 points, eight rebounds. Uh, absolutely spectacular uh, performance by him, especially taking on a defensive-minded 
uh, stance in this one and, mm-hmm. and, you know, slowing down Donovan Mitchell. It was a big night, Kyle. Plus, uh, Mike Brown, 400th career regular season victory last night. Yeah, really, really good for Mike Brown. Uh, I mean, one of one of the NBA's good guys, especially when it comes uh, to coaches. You know, you can tell he loves coaching. Yes, it's just in the way he answers questions and is willing to break things down. And I know that he takes media in before the season and walks them through. Not not a practice necessarily, but walks them through kind of what the offense is going to look like. Yep. That's just a, a really cool thing. So you love to see his passion for coaching turn into turn into W's. With Keegan Murray specifically last night, as we get to get to your your third quick thought here. With Keegan last night, we we saw this level of defense a little bit against the Warriors in the first night that De'Aaron Fox was out. Yeah. Or in that first game with De'Aaron Fox was out, where he chased around Steph Curry, he hounded him on the ball and curry had a you know for for him a, a bad night yes and on the other end keegan did not turn in a good night offensively you're kind of going okay well maybe you know he's exerting so much energy on on defense maybe it's not the offense can't translate so not only did he play well defensively last night and that's obviously a good thing the fact that he also spun that together with a terrific offensive performance where would he go six of eight from three six of nine uh five of eight from three five of eight from three herder went six of nine uh herder did go six of nine so five but five of eight from three like that's that's outstanding and pairing that with great defense that's the leap that's it yeah he he ran a plus 21 a team high plus 21 on the night and donovan mitchell is not an easy guard man Oh no! Donovan I mean, Mitchell is dynamite. The dude came in averaging almost thirty points a game. They held him to uh, seven of twenty-one shooting, twenty-two points, a negative one. And again, just to reiterate, what uh, Sabonis did to Jared Allen was just dirty. Jared Allen a minus twenty-five. Minus twenty-five on the night. Like Oof. he had twelve points and nine rebounds. Did anyone even remember him being on the court outside of him getting shoved underneath the basket? He had. He had. Well, it's funny you say that because the first time I even noticed he was there. Was he had a little like tip in, little put back thing? Yep. It was like, oh, Jared Allen's playing. Like there he is. But other than that, just not not an effective night. And that's honestly like that's what the Cavs are built to do, is make life difficult for opposing centers. And life just wasn't super difficult for for Domas last night. Normally, I would I would say the ten shot attempts for for Sabonis are not great. Yeah. But given the fact De'Aaron Fox was back and how Keegan Murray was shooting, how Kevin Herter was shooting. I don't mind the 10 shot attempts from Domas last night. Yeah, uh, 20 shots for, for Fox, 11 for Herter, 10 for Domas, 13 for Murray, and of course, 6 for Harrison Barnes, who had a quiet night again. Um, but uh, he's a fifth option now, Kyle. He is. With mm. that starting unit, he's number five. There is no more uh, Harrison Barnes as a second or third option. Which is good. I don't. This it is, is a not, good thing. I like, I hate doing this because it sounds like I'm, but with where Harrison Barnes is in his career and where the Kings want to go and the talent that the Kings have on their roster, that's how it should be. When Harrison Barnes is your fifth option in your starting five, you feel very good about that starting five. I agree. When he's your second or third, eh, I have some questions now. Yeah. But if he's going to be your fifth dude, like fine, yes. Yeah. That's the goal. 
he shouldn't be the fifth guy by way of just being ineffective. He's not the fifth guy by way of Kevin Herter being a better player, by De'Aaron Fox and Domas obviously being better players, and now Keegan Murray, I think, growing into being a better player. That's right. That's exactly where the Kings need to be at this point. And uh, Keegan Murray jumped up to 15 points per game with his performance last night. Uh, he's now shooting uh, 39.1% from the field and 297 from three. He'll be back up around uh, 50 and 40 here, not too long at all. All he needed to do was play against Chris. That's right. And he was fine. Get blocked. Get blocked by your brother. (laughs) All right. Uh, You have three more quick thoughts coming up um, as we dive into this Kings win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, a 132-120 victory for the Kings. And it wasn't even that close. Nope. That was a, a much more, what's the word I'm looking for? Convincing win. Than, than just 12 points. Yeah, I think it was a very complete win. Never never out of hand. That's two games in a row like that. The Kings sure look like uh, they are rolling on the right track. All right, James's second half of his six quick thoughts coming up on the other side of this break. We are breaking down the Kings win over the Cavaliers. We'll also be getting into some of the, um, a couple of 49ers related things that came up as I was going back over some stuff and rewatching some stuff yesterday. We'll have our power rankings in the next hour. And then the bottom of this hour, the great Howard Beck covers the NBA for the ringer. He did a podcast with Logan Murdoch and Roger Bell, where he talked about like the checklist to jump from good team to contender. I want to run through that checklist with them and see where the Kings land. And if they're there and if not, what are they missing? We'll do that with Howard Beck at 1030. All of that coming up on the insider sponsored by Jiffy Lou here on ESPN 1320. Now back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen brought to you by Jiffy Lou on ESPN 1320. Kings 132 Cavaliers 120 Cavaliers a little disappointing for me to start this year. I, I agree. Gonna, Kyle. I thought they were going to be really, really good, and they're they're pretty mid so far. Yeah, it's really strange how they just um, they haven't been able to put it together at all. Yeah, at at all. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and to get like really run off the court by a Kings team that was just trying to put it together. Uh, I just watched there was a, that play in the it's in the late third where De'Aaron Fox slashes to the key on like in transition before the defense sets up and Malik Monk just drops a pass to him from, from like the golden one logo on the yeah. side, just boom, hits All him in stride for a, for a hammer. Yeah. Really impressive win, man. Yeah. They were really, really good. And to get right against a team like the Cavs that does have a ton of length and mm-hmm. is very defensive minded is, is really impressive. So you had your first three quick thoughts in the last segment. Let's finish that up with numbers four, five, and six. What is number four? Yeah, Kevin Herter's run continues. After dropping in a season high 28 against the Thunder, the Kings' starting shooting guard got off to a slow start in this one. He got in foul trouble early. He got fired in the third, scoring 14 of his 20. Shot six of nine from three. He only had two rebounds, two assists, but uh, there weren't a lot of rebounds because there wasn't a lot of of missed shots. There was when, not a lot of missed shots. But when 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 Herter's cashing six of his nine threes, you care a little bit less about him going and getting rebounds and dishing out assists and doing other stuff. Yeah, and I thought and he was super active on the defensive end as well. Mm-hmm. I you know like this is one of those things where they're building an identity, and I do think that you're seeing someone like Kevin Herter take another step in his de- defensive progression. 
So Kevin Herter in the first five games shot 28.9% from the field and 20% from three. Mm-hmm. In his last four in his last four games, he's at 52.8% from the field, 47.2% from three, and he's scoring 19 and a half points a game. That'll that'll get it done. He's already shooting 36.1 from three. Yeah. Small I mean, sample sizes. Just really, really well. I mean, that's why yeah, it's four games a is a lot. small sample size yeah. as well. Yeah. Why we shouldn't hit a panic button when when he struggles early in the season. Yeah. Um uh, number five, the other engine. Fox's driving is the driving force behind his uh, the first team. Yep. But Malik Monk runs a second unit with a similar pace and style. He was electric man. Uh he had I, I, all of my numbers are messed up, I, which I have a, I have a Malik Monk take. Okay. I think that when De'Aaron Fox isn't there, he takes on a more, what's the, I, I don't, I don't have the, the right word. I don't want to say serious, but a more straightforward role that doesn't feel like Malik Monk. Okay. Me. And when De'Aaron Fox is in and, and Monk's role is second unit, do your thing. It feels like he he plays with a different a different energy, and maybe that's just my perception. I could just be projecting, but it, it feels like he has less to do when De'Aaron is in, and so he does. He's. I I, I think that's a really really good point. Thanks, like, because I couldn't find the words to make it. No, so I'm glad I, you followed. I I totally get what you're saying because, um, I, I've always I, I compare Malik Monk uh, very very closely to Bobby Jackson. Mm. And you know, like some people don't like that, and I and I'm not sure why they don't like. I think some people forget how good Bobby Jackson was at one point in his career, and uh, it's the energy that someone brings off the bench when he has an increased role, Kyle. When he knows he's playing like 28 minutes, it's almost like he holds a little bit back because he knows that he can't burn the energy, and so I, I think it's it's an interesting way that you can you can watch his progression throughout a season but what he does need to do is he has to have a baseline of who and what he is for this team mm-hmm. and his shooting man again last night he was three of five from deep and the way that he shoots it is so different than anyone else he's yeah. so quick and you're always worried about the pick and roll and then he just pulls up from 26 and like he's he's shooting the ball well he's coming around like this is like this team is just in scores, they're like six or seven deep of guys that can get you 30 on any given night, mm-hmm. and he's one of those guys for sure. It's the audacity of the threes. It is, me. yes. The ones where he comes off a curl and just his body's sideways. He's fa- he's falling back toward the stands, but he's still getting it up. I, I'm very much here for an audacious three-point attempt. It's the Bobby Jackson, no, 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 yes. Yeah. That's what it is. It's mm-hmm. it, it has the same feel to me, mm-hmm. and maybe he's a little bit better distributor than Bobby. Uh, maybe Bobby's a little bit better defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think that this is. I really hope that Malik Monk understands this is a perfect role for him. Like mm-hmm. you can go try to chase money and go try to chase a starting job, but do you want to go be Jordan Poole, uh, or do you want to better than Jordan Poole? Come on. Well, no. But do you want to do that? Or do you want to play for a winner? <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, he's better than Jordan Poole. If you okay. said that last season at any point in the year, people would have gone, are you kidding? It's Jordan Poole. Right. I mean, the guy averages 20 a game. What do you mean Malik Monk is better? 
in the playoffs, there was no question who was the, who the better player was. Yeah, Jordan Poole stunk in the playoffs. Yeah. No, he's stinking this year. Um, Number six. That was... Yeah. I had something I had oh. something else on Monk. It almost makes me feel like when De'Aaron's out, he should just start. That's that maybe that's just completely off the rails and people are gonna go, no, you can't do that because then this and that. I sure. Like I'm fine. But I think you'd get less of that contrast between with and without Fox if he started when Fox is out. That's I, all. I would say that the opportunity for him is still better in the second unit. And then what you want in in case of De'Aaron Fox being out, what you want is your starters to elevate because those are some of your best players. Sure. And then you don't want to break the cycle of your first team, second mm-hmm. team thing. Um, so I, I would agree that I, I would disagree that he should start when Fox is out. I get the under like why, mm-hmm. but I still think that um, your the goal is to have uh, Keegan Murray, uh, Kevin Herter. Uh, uh, Demonis Sabonis, somebody step up and, and take on five more shots, and then another guy take on three more shots, sure. another guy take on two more shots. That that would that's how it should work. That makes sense. All right, let's get to uh, that was number five. Let's get to number six. Number six from deep, uh, way out there. Sasha Vazenkov. Um, I, De'Aaron Fox said it after the game. He's found his joy, and uh, in this one, twenty-eight year old rookie looked comfortable from thirty feet away from the hoop. He's out there uh, busting up the calves from like West Sac, um, three or five from long range on uh, uh, on his way to eleven points. Uh, his eleven points matches his career high in the NBA. Um, really, really impressive how he is slowly settling in after almost being left for dead last week. Yeah. So we get to the Portland game and he gets a DNP CD. Halfway through uh, the OKC game, he comes in and hits two absolutely tremendous threes in in, in crunch time. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this game, and like, man, the dude doesn't care. He does not care at let all. Like, let's go. Yeah, um, yeah. Like he he will pull up from anywhere on the floor, and that's what you need from that guy. Yeah, and especially the fact that he did this after getting just kind of unceremoniously benched and left out, left out of the rotation. Yeah. I like that 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 Mike Brown is doing this though. And not saying, "Okay, Sasha, you're just on the bench for 10 games." And then going, "Ah, uh, you know what? Actually, you know what? We need you for these six. And then, "Oh, made a mistake. Ah, uh, okay, bye." It's go it's knowing that this is the regular season and that this team's goals are bigger than just the regular season. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I think that the way he's mixing and matching right now with the rotation and not just keeping it hard and fast, this is what worked last year, so this is what we're going to do this year, or this is Sasha's role and these are the minutes he's going to play and it doesn't matter if he's good or bad, this is just what he's going to do. I think that's ultimately going to be helpful. Yeah, I believe it will too. Uh, What you're trying to do is keep everybody engaged for the entire season, right? Yeah. And I think um, giving Kessler Edwards an opportunity because he's one of this group that played really well in that second Mm -hmm. Houston game, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was absolutely fine that Kessler Edwards was a little shaky in the OKC game in the third quarter, and that Mike Brown said, "Okay, I've seen enough," yeah. and went back to Sasha. And that may have been the move of the game. Yeah, like those three pointers in the fourth quarter, they mattered big time. Yeah, they were huge. And so um, I, I think we are going to see that. But I, I'm also I would caution people like 
eventually, like who knows when, but eventually Trey Lyles will be back. And those are, it's get minutes are going to be tough to come by, especially if Keegan Murray's out there playing 36. Yeah. Tons of, tons of rotation talk with the Kings coming up because there are, you got the Trey Lyles aspect of this. You've got the Davion Mitchell aspect of this, who was a DNP last night. We have some Mike Brown sound on that and why Keon Ellis got in over Davion Mitchell last night. We will dive into all of that. Uh, But first, on the other side, Howard Beck of the Ringers covered the NBA for a long, long time. He's seen it all, done it all, and he did a checklist of how to jump from a good team to a legitimate championship contender. We're going to talk about the Kings on that list and what boxes do they check, what boxes do they not check, and how close are they to being a contender if they're not already there. We'll talk with Howard Beck next on The Insiders. He's James Hammond, Kyle Mads, and we're sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. I'm going to put a quick pin in the Kings win over the Cavs last night to bring on uh, a legend covering the NBA, Howard Beck, doing so now for the ringer. Howard, I really appreciate you taking time out to uh, hop on with myself uh, and James Hamm today. How you doing, man? Um. Oh, it would help to turn the phone on. Hey, Howard, how are we doing, man? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Hello. Good morning, guys. How are you? Um, doing better now that I've figured out how to work the phone. You know, this is <laughs> these are the these are the the hurdles that that we're clearing as uh, as we settle into uh, to the insiders. They're sponsored by Jiffy Lou. Uh, Howard, I, I was listening to 
real ones the other day with with you and and Logan Murdoch and Roger Bell. You've been a terrific addition to the Monday edition of that podcast, and you had your your checklist to go from or your your contender checklist and a, a, a list of things like you need a top 10 to 15 guy, you need another guy in the top, I think he said 25, you need a, a clear pecking order. When you look at a team like the Sacramento Kings, do they fit into that contender checklist for you? So uh, thank you for the plug for the show. Appreciate that. Yeah, um, I, yeah listen, I, I was it was kind of on the fly. I just kind of constructed because uh, what we were talking about on the show was uh, a little bit about certain young teams that were trying to make the leap and, and, and how do we consider them? And so I just, I spent a few minutes like thinking about, well, what is, what's the outline of a contender in the NBA, generally speaking? And, you know, there's no perfect formula for this and it, it does vary somewhat, but yeah, you kind of know, like if you don't have a Nikola Jokic or a Giannis Antetokounmpo or a Steph Curry or a LeBron James, like if you don't have a top five guy, you're probably not even in the conversation unless Maybe you've got multiple guys who are top 10 or top 15 or top 20, or you've got one top 10 who's not top five and another guy who's, you know, whatever, 20th, 25th. You, like, you need to have this requisite um, uh, uh, top, top-level talent, not just all-star, but really, really good, great players. And then you've got to have role players around them. You've got to be, you know, there, there was always the, the kind of the, the long-time belief of you've got to be top 10 defensive efficiency with few exceptions, right? And I think the Nuggets were the latest exception, too, that I don't think they cracked the top ten in the regular season last year. I could be wrong on that. Um, but in general, there's certain kind of standby requirements. And where the Kings land in all that is I think they're still a little bit shy, but it's, it's kind of a remains-to-be-seen thing in this regard. De'Aaron Fox and, and Demonte Sabonis are perennial all-star candidates now perennial all nba candidates now i don't know that either of them is truly in the mvp discussion yet um but fox in particular i think can get there um and is young enough to and then the other piece of this is that if keegan murray makes a leap from really really great complimentary player to you know potential all-star well now you've got three right so you can offset the lack of uh potentially offset the lack of top five surefire MVP candidate by having multiple top 20 guys, right? So there's, a, there's various ways to get there, but I think the main concern I have with the, with the Kings in particular is not so much on the personnel and that other outline that I kind of gave on the pod the other day. It's more uh, the concern that Mike Brown himself has highlighted, which is uh, we're going to have to start to play defense consistently. And if we don't do that, having this uh, incredible, super fun, uh, and, and very potent offense is not going to get us where we want to go. And so, like, he's right to be, you know, kind of pounding on, on the defensive end, which has kind of been, you know, his that's Mike Brown's career anyway. That's how he's built. So if they can get the top 10-ish defense, um, that, that would, you know, offset a lot of the other things that we've, we've discussed here. Okay, we are speaking to Howard Beck of – the ringer and also the uh, the president of the Pro Basketball Writers Association. Um, Howard, uh, I would like to spend the next 15 minutes uh, belittling Kyle because he went to Sac State. And unbelievable. We went to UC Davis. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, I, I uh, sat next to uh, our friend Sam Amick last night at, at the, uh, the dinner table, and he said, uh, we should call you Howie. 
Uh, and he said you would get that. So, uh, Howard, I, I think it's interesting. You guys broke down a lot of different teams. And you, you kind of skipped over the Kings, which I, I, I found interesting, especially since Logan uh, spends so much time here in Sacramento and is uh, a, almost a fixture with us in the media room. Um, when you look at teams like Minnesota, teams like New Orleans, um, you know, there's a couple other teams that you guys went through, but um, why are the Kings not in that category or are they above that category after their, their season last year? Well, I think in our defense, and certainly in Logan's defense, uh, because he kind of cr- uh, creates the rundown for the show, uh, it was, you know, Minnesota's make, made what looks like in the first, you know, <laughs> we're through nine games of the season now. It was probably eight at that time. Um, it's really early for this. But, like, I, I think people are looking up and going, ooh, whoa, hey, what's going on with Minnesota? Are they in this thing now after years of, of not really being a, a consideration? And I think Minnesota and Oklahoma were the two teams we were most focused on. And then, you know, New Orleans kind of got pulled into the discussion. It wasn't really a discussion of, like, who are the legit contenders. I, we would, you know, I yeah. think there was, no, there was no omission of the Kings for any particular reason. It was just um, the way the, the discussion was structured. Um, I think, you know, listen, the one of the things that I said, you know, after last season and heading into this season about the Kings was, um, I, I, I feel like, since they did not make any major offseason moves, right? We could we could look at who they are, and we've got a pretty good idea of what they do, what they're good at, where their deficiencies are. No major moves in the offseason in, in particular, you know, just tweaking around the edges, which is fine. But they were the kind of team that I looked at it at a glance and said, you know what, they might slip just by standing still. Because, and look, I, I, so far what I'm about to say has not panned out this way. But the way I viewed it was, the Lakers are going to start the season as a far better team than they were last season, right? They, they changed them, their, themselves completely in midseason and they made other moves in the offseason. The Warriors are a better team now than they were a year ago. I thought the Clippers, oh my God, uh, the Clippers, Oof. I thought the Clippers, I thought the Clippers with health and, and uh, Westbrook there from day one and potentially the Harden acquisition, which, which did, did come to pass. There were all these teams that I just thought would be much better than they were a year ago to start this season. And that just by virtue of that, by it being much more competitive at the top of the West, and yes, the Suns are part of that discussion too, and oh, whoops, they're uh, not really panning out either. But my presumption was that based on the talent on paper, these teams were going to be uh, crowding the top of the West, and that the Kings, just by standing still, might slip a few notches. And I thought the same of Memphis. Memphis is slipping for other reasons, all kinds of reasons. Um, and look, we're, it's still really super early, right? You know, it's, we're, we're at the 10-game mark. Um, things will be clearer in another 10 to 15 games. Um, but as of right now, it is, it is crowded as I thought it would be, just not exactly with the teams I thought it would be. I, I didn't foresee a, a Mavericks 8-2 and two start or a Rockets 6-3 and three start. And again, some of these things will normalize. I think the Kings, you know, they're, in, they're, they're still a, a very strong team that should finish in the top six in the West. But I don't think it's – I would not expect them to be top three again just by virtue of, of all these other teams having improved themselves, even if their records don't show it right now. Howard Becker, the ringer, joining us here on the Insiders on ESPN 1320. I, you know, Howard, you, everything we're saying here is, is with the caveat that it's 10 games, 11 games, however, however many uh, you know we've played. We've got 70-plus of these left. But yeah. is, is have you seen anything that shows you so far that – Anyone's even close to catching the Nuggets? Um, in the West, not necessarily. 
and I'm and I'm certainly I'm a, I'm suspicious of the Mavericks' hot start. They've had a pretty soft schedule. Um, the Timberwolves have actually had a, 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 some really signature wins early on, and have the kind of you know personnel in theory like they've they've got a bit of a track record of being able to like at least uh, challenge Jokic uh, with their twin bigs and look like the one team that's almost specifically built to try to deal with them. So we'll see how that pans out if if uh, you know if they come to uh, to meet each other next spring. I think if we're going to talk about like who's really poised to knock off the Nuggets, it's probably more out East, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. probably the Celtics, maybe the Sixers. Um, uh, <laughs> again, the Bucks are supposed to be in this conversation and they will be, um, but the Bucks are a bit, have kind of a wonky start to their season too. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, this always sounds like in part because the Nuggets have had such a chip on their shoulder for so long, everything that uh, falls in this category starts to sound like, you know, not giving them credit or doubting them or, or, you know, whatever. So I don't want to, I don't want this to be misinterpreted. The Nuggets are not the kind of NBA champion that is miles ahead of, of the field in the way that say the Warriors dynasty was, or the Lakers uh, of Shaq and Kobe were, or like sometimes you can see a team in this league because we're used to teams that have like multiple superstars, right? Shaq and Kobe, Pierce, uh, Ray Allen, and, and Kevin Garnett, LeBron and Wade and Bosch. That's the norm. And so when the Nuggets win it with, with Jokic, absolutely a, a, an impressive season, a legitimate championship, all the accolades, all deserved, and Jokic is an all-time great. But is there even a second All-Star? Well, Jamal Murray w- is approaching it and should get there, but now he's hurt. Um, there's nobody else on that roster that you look at that way. And so I know it's like this, this sounds like a very reductive argument, but it's, it's the fact is like the Nuggets are a great team that won a championship, but not all champions are like uh, so overpowering that you can't foresee somebody knocking them off. The Suns might get their stuff together and with their, you know, kind of illusion of a super team. I'm not, again, I'm not sold on it, but like with Durant, Booker and Beal, like could they knock out the Nuggets? They've got some size problems, everything else, but who knows? Maybe. Could the Timberwolves do it? Yeah, I'd be skeptical given the lack of, of postseason success any time in the last you know, couple of decades. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Nuggets are unbeatable. They're the clear favorite and the deserving favorite, but I, I don't think they're somehow like miles ahead of the field. All right, we're talking to Howard Beck from The Ringer. Uh, Howard, we don't want to keep you all day. You're a busy man. You got to uh, you got to babysit Logan at some point, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, we got the Causeway Classic this this week. Um, I was shocked to hear on, on your podcast that <laughs> that you actually got in a fight. He like Howard Beck like scuffle yeah. at at the Causeway Classic. Not I didn't. I never would have thought that that that's who you were, Howard. I Did was you kick very, his ass? I was very disappointed. I, I, I think I think a few different uh, talking points have been conflated here. Uh, <laughs> Did someone say me... stingers up and you're like, I'm ripping I that pinky you got, off? You think you got in a fight at the Chico State game, right? <laughs> it was it was actually it was it was a only it was verbal only and it was a, it was a Chico State fan. It was my freshman year of college before I had really learned the decorum of being a uh, uh, aspiring professional journalist, and so. At that time, I was more uh, fan and uh, and you know doofus eighteen year old freshman uh, than anything else. Uh, I don't pretend to have outgrown my doofusness, by the way, but I'd like to think I've tapered it at least at least a little. Um, some a Chico State fan said something to the effect of like 
he like yelled at ah cheaters never prosper or something like that and i just I, it was just an impulse and i just yelled he was like three rows in front of me i just yelled yeah that's why you guys are losing or something like that so oh. <laughs> got him Got him. Zapped his dumbass. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, Howard. I, I, really, I really got him. Howard, that you've gone on to uh, so much so much success covering the NBA, despite the fact you went to UC Davis, is really inspiring. <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much for hopping on uh, today and, and sharing your insights with us. We appreciate it a ton, man. Appreciate it, fellas. Go Ags. Yep. See ya. And he's gone. That's the last time Howard Beck will ever be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's terrific. That's Howard Beck of the Ringer. Um, he's writing stuff over there, and you can also check him out on the Monday edition of the Real Ones podcast. That's Logan Murdoch, Raja Bell, and it's just three guys talking hoop, and it's a lot of fun. And they had that conversation yesterday, and I tapped in. And I'm going, well, I listen to every episode. And Logan's my guy. Yep. And I, I really, I thought the Kings would come up for sure because of what you said. Like yeah. Logan's here, Logan's around, and so I just, I, I was wondering if maybe they'd cleared that, or I just. I think they belong in the conversation with they brought up New Orleans and they brought up Indiana. To me, the Kings are closer than than both of those teams. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about Howard is, you know, I like some people are, are very upset because uh, he doesn't, you know, sit there and watch every Kings game. Um, but like what we're talking about is like a larger construct, right? Mm. Like how does a team go from you know, like Mike Brown talks about from here to here. Right. And then from here, they, the Kings went from here to here. Now they got to figure out how to go from, from a, a really high point to an even higher point. And that, that fine detail is so much more difficult. And so as a guy who has literally covered the game for almost three decades, um, like I, I, I do enjoy listening to him. I, the, the podcast is interesting. I haven't listened to a lot of their pod. Uh, they use a lot of profanity, which is, which is comical because it's, it's not something that I would have expected from Howard. Yeah. Uh, but, it's a yeah. weird mix with him and, and Logan and, and Raja for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they do, they like get on some weird tangents on, on occasion. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely cool. Um, yeah, Logan, I've known since he was like a young kid. Logan's been grinding in the media game since he was like 16. I don't know if it's grinding that I would say Logan <laughs> has been. Logan's been attending games. Logan has been <laughs> floating around the media world. I love I love Logan Murdoch. He is a fun dude. Um, and we worked together at NBC. And the first thing I told him is, hey, man, like, look, this is a hard lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You're going to cover a team. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to eat right. Uh, I said, you need to make sure you're watching uh, what you eat, uh, when you exercise, all that stuff, because it catches up to you quick. And I know he's a young guy and he kind of kind of blew me off. Like, yeah, whatever, Ham. Yeah. Like, I got you. Yeah. And then uh, about eight months later, he came back to me. He's like, bro, bro. <laughs> it's so hard. You were so right. He's like, I have gained so much weight. I'm like, it's a hard lifestyle. It's it is. Tough, dude. Yeah. Most, uh, like a good percentage of beat writers are divorced. Uh, you know, a lot of them are out of shape and, and, you know, struggle with weight. We eat bad times. You, I'm driving home at 1130 at night. Dude, that, that junior restaurant calling. and lounge sign on the way home yeah. is calling to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's calling to us today at 1230, by the way. That's right. Taco Tuesday, pull up, junior lounge.
That's right. We'll be in there. Uh, hey, you can rock out this holiday season with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra as they bring back the Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. TSO stands for Trans-Siberian Orchestra, if you didn't follow that. At the Golden One Center December 1st for two incredible shows. Enter online at ESPN1320.com, and you could win a four-pack of tickets to the show. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster. Love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Really good. I want to go see it. I haven't... I haven't. You want to go together? Maybe. Just two homies watching TSO? That's right. We could bring the ladies. Okay. Yeah. A date night. Thank that. Sounds great. There it is. Yeah. You know, got to figure my life out. But you ask me what I'm doing December 1. It's like, dude, ask me what I'm doing November 15. I, yeah. don't, I don't. December 1 seems like it's so far away. Uh, also coming up on ESPN 1320, the Causeway Classic this weekend. 1.30, Sac State at UC Davis. Huge, mm. huge game between the Hornets and the Ags. You and I are going to be I should go get a, I should necks. go get a media pass and go to that. I don't know. Yeah, why not? I don't, I, I've never Your been. first Causeway I, Classic? Yeah. God. I've never I've never been. So You got to go, dog. All right. I, I will think about it. Uh speaking of entering to win things, we have a Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. We do. I think people might be able to guess. The password <laughs> is Not yet. Not We're yet. not giving away next. We're not giving away yet. We'll give that away in the next segment. We will let you know where to go, what the keyword is. ESPN1320.com. There's a big Jiffy Lube contest page. You click on that. You enter the keyword that we give you in the next hour, and you will be entered to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate, something that we will be doing after each and every Sacramento Kings game. If they play over the weekend, we'll be doing it Monday. And that's how that's how that's gonna go. All right. I'm in. For me, the Kings contender thing comes down to Keegan Murray. It, 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 this check this iteration of the Kings comes down to Keegan Murray, and I, I say that because I think that's the last. If you're going to add another major piece, like a All Star caliber major, it's probably going to mean trading Keegan Murray, which I don't think they're interested in doing. No, so he needs to become that third kind of star level player, and then I try. I, I think Monty McNair for me anyway has earned the benefit of the doubt to fill in on the margins and create a championship caliber roster around those stars because that's really kind of what you got to do with NBA team construction. De'Aaron Fox is a bona fide one. Like, but no questions for me on De'Aaron Fox's ability to lead a team. I had those questions going into last year. I no longer have them. Yeah. Um, but if Fox has become a star. That, like, that's flat out. Yeah. Watching him play, you're just like, oh my gosh, he's so good. And then he goes into the playoffs and got better. Like that's that's what superstars do. Yes, I, I would totally agree. Yeah, and like when we're looking at the construction of the Kings, like it's going to be difficult to to figure out who it is that you want to pair them against. Like like what type of build is this? And it really does depend on how how far Keegan Murray can ascend. That's it. Like if he can be a a really really good third option. Mm-hmm. I think that you're you can get to the conference finals if he can be an all star, and you have the potential. I'm not saying you're going to have three all stars for multiple years in a row, but if you have the potential to have three all stars, mm-hmm. then that's when you start to look at the Kings in a little bit different light. And and I do agree with Howard where it comes down to if you don't have a top five player, you need like a a top ten and a top like twenty five mm-hmm. or two top. Like fifteen through twenty twos, yeah, 
Like that's how the league is built, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to assemble that at some point in some way. And I don't believe the Kings will like not in any time soon will ever ever consider trading Keegan Murray. Um, I'm w- I'm totally with you. That's why I think it all rides on him. Yeah, they have they have such a huge like idea of who he is and who he will become. Well, and I think you saw him last night. Like, why? He's going to be a shutdown defender on the perimeter and also go get you, what, 23? And then the, the game before, he dropped 24 and, yeah. and grabbed 11 rebounds. Yeah. Yeah, the guy, I, like, that's what the Kings have to have, though. That's where he yeah. has to go if, and it can't, it if can't this be, is who they're going to be. It can't be a couple nights here and a couple nights there. He has to start doing that on, on the nightly. Somebody, and I wish I could remember who it was, it was somebody from the Kings Herald, but I don't want to say a name because I don't want to get the person wrong. So somebody from the Kings Herald tweeted last night like that Keegan Murray is Kawhi light. And I think they were like half joking. Yeah. But it's kind of the backwards. If he's going to become this lockdown defender on the perimeter, it's kind of a backwards Kawhi development, right? Because Kawhi was the lockdown defender who learned how to shoot. Yeah. Keegan was the guy who could shoot and then learns how to defend. Maybe he could just get the backwards Kawhi. Maybe. I know. He <laughs> Why even, not? He even talked about it last night, you know, he in his in his Muslim voice, you know, in college I, I really wasn't considered, you know, that's a not a bad really Keegan. great defender. It's not a bad Keegan. But uh you know, I, I've worked really hard in the off season and I, I feel like I'm more athletic and uh you know, I, I think I'm getting better. That's not a bad Keegan. Yeah. It's pretty solid. Probably better than Mike Brown's. Yeah, this Mike, is, dude, Mike Brown's is downright disrespectful. Why did they make him talk like this? Why did they make him talk? It sounds like a <laughs> sound, Mike Brown's Mike Brown's Keegan Murray impression sounds like Keegan Murray doing a Patrick Mahomes impression. Yeah, that's how that that's how Mike Brown's Keegan Murray sounds to me. Yeah, what is it? Uh, is it Dirk Dasterly? What's his name? The on like the uh, the great race when you were a kid, like with the the little dog that. Yeah, that's he. he that's head, kind dog, of sorry. the voice he does. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, I think the Kings are close. And I think that they're closer than anybody would have expected them to be this time last year. And I think last night kind of showed why. Because you start to see kind of the growth. And you start to see, okay, Harrison Barnes is now getting pushed down the pecking order because other people are coming up. You're starting to see that a player like Davion Mitchell, who I, I think you've said about him square peg round hole, maybe a dozen times over the last yeah year, i think that that is kind of going to start to come to the fore as this team's needs become more and more specific where okay you have your your dudes now what are the very what are these niche roles what's it is it a defensive specialist that is is it sasha being a guy who stands in the corner and knocks down threes and spreads the floor for for 11 minutes a night it's going to be these just kind of little smaller tweaks where you know, figure letting letting a player like Davion try and figure out his role isn't isn't necessarily going to be a thing moving forward. Yeah, I, I think that you can look at different players around the league that just flat out might fit better. Mm-hmm. And this has never been about talent, and it's not about how hard someone works and whether they're a good guy. It has nothing to do with any of that. If you have a specific type of system, even like look, you look at Keon Ellis, you look at Colby Jones, you can see where they could fit alongside a guy like Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. And either way, we're tw- we're talking about 12 or 13 minutes a game. That's what, yeah. you know, Mike Brown was really clear on that. Like, wh- whoever it is, 
it's not going to be a whole lot. Yeah. It's not going to be a whole lot of minutes. So, yeah, it's a good discussion. Like, I, we got to delve into this. Yeah, we'll hear. Mike Brown actually talked about the Keon Ellis, Davion Mitchell thing last night and why Keon Ellis wound up getting into the lineup over Mitchell mm-hmm. in, in, in last night's game against the Cavs. Really interesting response from Mike Brown. And I think uh, a sign of the of the culture and the direction that this team has kind of, of fostered over the last couple of years. So we'll dive into that. We also got to talk a little football, man, because I did rewatch the Niners Jags game. Yeah. And I have a couple of thoughts that, that we didn't quite get to yesterday. And we also got to do our NFL power rankings. We'll do that. Plenty of Kings Cavs coming up as well, but NFL power rankings and something we missed from the Niners game uh, coming up next on the insiders. He's James. I'm Kyle. We're sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to hour number two of the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Get ready for the most up-to-date sports news and talk with the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Let's dive into this second hour on a Tuesday. I said happy Tuesday earlier, and our guy David in the YouTube chat, youtube.com slash ESPN 1320, and also on Twitch to search ESPN 1320 there. And you can check us out uh, streaming live as James and I do the Insider Sponsored by Jiffy Lube and D'Lo and KC do as well. It's the same video. You hang out. You can you don't you don't have to leave the page. D'Lo and KC just walk in and hop on. So super easy. Yeah. If uh, if you're watching us, but somebody in the YouTube chat uh, brought this up. I said Happy Tuesday, and they said it is not a Happy Tuesday because MLB owners are expected to. Uh, approve the A's move to Las Vegas. There would need to be eight owners who vote no. Who to, aren't cowards. To make it not pass. And it appears that those eight owners aren't materializing. Despite the fact that they have questions about Las Vegas's viability as a baseball market, and despite the fact that some owners believe that it is a, quote, iffy plan from the A's to move there, they're going to approve that thing. Because... God forbid somebody deny them a move at some point. Yeah. Or something. I just love, you know, the New York Yankees owner who may one day decide to move his team and wants to have the right Right. to do it. Yeah. If he wants to become the St. Petersburg Yankees, he just wants to make sure that. Yeah. That he has a door open. He has the vote from John Fisher. Yeah. 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 yeah, What an embarrassment. It's so stupid. Major League Baseball, not only that, but if a, a group of 30 plus owners like sit in a room and they aren't they aren't strong enough to point out the flaw in this mm-hmm. then like i hope they get everything that they deserve which is declining uh viewership it's the game dying like it already is yep. and uh and they will be the ones that ride that that titanic right uh right down into the ocean cuz they you could just, have set into hell and i would have been with you yeah, they're just really um, like what an embarrassment. If you're if you're cowards and you can't step up and say, "Wait a sec, 
this isn't a viable market. This isn't a viable plan. You aren't a viable owner. You aren't one of us. You're a dirtbag, slumlord owner, and nobody wants you in our in our club. Like if you can't do that, like what's wrong? What's wrong with a, a an organization that would allow something like that to happen? And to me, it's just it's grotesque because John Fisher is like a in, in Major League Baseball terms, he's just a leech. He is. He is just the worst type of leech that you just can't get rid of. And it's just pathetic that uh, like an organization like Major League Baseball can't root somebody out like that before they destroy an entire fan base. Sell the team, dude. Yeah. All right. I have nothing else to add. That's all. I would like to add something, but I think you nailed it. And I'm just going to talk in circles and say what you said. So John Fisher sucks, and I hope that he gets whatever is coming to him in Las Vegas. Assuming, of course, the uh, schools over stadiums, Nevada teachers union that's trying to get this yeah. on the ballot to get it voted down, uh, the, the the public fund- funding, that is, for the A stadium in Vegas. Assuming that does not go through, then the A's appear to be uh, headed to Las Vegas, but nothing official until shovels are in the ground. So, Hey, one last thing on that. Mm-hmm. I, I will never shop at, at Gap or Banana Republic ever again, and I don't think any baseball fan should. Dude, so I was Just a I was a loyal sailor in the old Navy, and I no longer am. No, Just I gotta absolute find trash. new jeans. To yeah, wear. yeah. I gotta it's, figure out to where I'm gonna get just... my Hawaiian shirts, my winter clothing. I gotta find out where I'm gonna shop on Black Friday. Yep. Well, yeah. at least you know he'll have some friends down there. Because uh, the Maloof family lives right there in Vegas. He, he can go hang out with uh, with the Maloofs. All right. Let's talk NFL. Yeah. So a couple things from yesterday that I just wanted to touch on because I don't feel we did it enough when, when talking Niners-Jags. Uh, uh, <laughs> that touchdown pass that Brock Purdy had to George Kittle was ridiculous. Oh, no. It's just so beautiful. I thought I mean, he couldn't even see like full arm extension over the top. I put it I posted a screenshot on Twitter at Kyle A. Madsen. M-A-D-S-O-N if you're if you're so inclined. <laughs> in the screenshot in the all twenty two, you can't see Purdy. Because he's I mean you can, but it's just a mass of bodies. Yes. And he still figures out a way to not only get the throw off, but get it out in front of his receiver where his receiver could go run under it and away from a defender. It was just an unbelievable throw. And for as much as I dragged him for, for his interceptions, because the five in those three weeks were all very, very poor throws. Mm -hmm. That was a dime. And I just wanted to make sure that got noted. Yeah. That's all. I, I I was so impressed with that throw, like in, in real time, you're watching it and just, it looked like, uh, the old Jeff Blake, Drop it, drop it from, you know. Jeff Blake? Oh, yeah, Jeff Blake threw the best deep ball ever. He he threw a ball that would go up and then come straight down into his wide receiver's hands. Okay. Uh, that's why, like, Carl Pickens or or Chad Ochocinco, like those guys, like Chad Johnson, the original. Right. Well, um, right. But he just threw a perfect, a perfect deep ball. And sort of like what we saw from Russell Wilson when he was a good quarterback. Not 
not the current version of Russell Wilson, but the old version where he just throws a great deep ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's um, man. That was a dot. I don't know if I'm, if I trust him just hucking it deep every time, but on that particular throw, Dimesky. All right. I trust him a lot more than I trust uh, Josh Allen. Just saying. The discourse on the internet today from Josh Allen fans and people who rank quarterbacks and consistently put Josh Allen in the top five, despite the fact he has more turnovers than any quarterback in the league since 2018, is that now turnovers aren't aren't bad. Turnovers don't matter anymore. Oh. That's what I'm hearing. Mm. Actually, interceptions are good because it means your quarterback is taking risks. Oh. And so now turnovers don't matter. Okay. Even though there's decades of data that correlate turnovers with having a harder time winning. Hmm. But yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, interceptions are good now because Josh Allen is doing them. And he throws the heck out of the football. That's all that matters. Ergo, good at football. All right. NFL power rankings. I had a really hard time with top five this week. Did you? I did. Okay. So for me, it's Eagles one. I agree. And I feel really good about putting the Eagles at one. I have the Lions at two now. The Eagles just don't convince me ever. But go ahead. Here's, here's, they're, they're, first of all, they're eight and one. Yeah. Secondly, I'm writing their track record of, of last year as well. Okay. Like we, we've seen them be dominant all year last year until Jalen Hurts got hurt right at the end. And then they're eight and one to start this year. Like that's just a damn good team. So they're at the top. Okay. Mm. I have the Lions too right now because I don't know that there's a, a good way to go about beating the Lions. It's not like you can go get him in a shootout and say, yeah, make Jared Goff beat you. Or you can get him in a rock fight and say, well, they can't they can't go ground and pound because they can. They're so good in the trenches. Jared Goff is playing at such a high level right now. They have a two-headed monster at running back with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs that their styles are different enough and their offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, is creative enough to utilize them in ways that don't allow a defense to necessarily key on one guy or game plan for one guy. Amon Ross St. Brown is a borderline top 10 receiver, if not already there. Sam Laporta is an excellent young tight end. I, their offensive line is excellent. I I love what the Lions have built. They're very, very good. Yeah, I think everyone, if if you don't listen to Faraz Siddiqui and follow him, you need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had us in on Laporta so early. Yeah. Absolutely crazy how good he's been. Um, okay, so... I'm not in love with the Lions like you are. Um, okay. I, You know, again, I think they were lucky to escape this week. I think they have an identity crisis a little bit. Um, I think they want to be hard-nosed smash mouth, and they are way more Miami Dolphins than they, they want to admit, um, and, and just like fun and offensive juggernaut. Uh, they okay. got into like this crazy battle with the Chargers this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And like the Chargers, they're just not very good, man. Like to get into a game, uh, Chargers are four and five. They're tied with uh, the Denver Broncos for last in the AFC West, mm-hmm. and so I'm not ready to have them be a top three team in the NFL. They're I have them at at number four, um, but like I have Chiefs number two. Still, Chiefs at number two. What if I told you? What if I told you? What if I told you? Uh, what is this? Hang on, I got to do quick math. Eight and two. What if I told you they were? 15 and 4 in their last 19 games. Okay. The Lions. Okay. That's uh, what are the Niners? Uh f- in their last 19? 
Um, they got three losses. They finished the season nine and zero last year. So, so what did they? What did they play this year? They're nine. F- they're fifteen and three, and their last and their last eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, and the Lions are right there. That's what I'm saying. Lions are pretty damn good, man. That's all. Steph Curry has been ruled out this evening. Um, I'm shocked it took this long. Okay. Um, so, I've got I've got the Lions too. I'm a big believer in the Lions. Okay. Yeah. So I got Chiefs number two. I got Chiefs three. Um, I've got Ravens three. I, I didn't like what happened this weekend, but but I also know That's that the Browns just game. happened to like walk in the door and punch really good teams in the face. <laughs> really weird game. The Bengals. The or, I'm sorry. The Ravens trailed for 59 minutes and 40 seconds. Or no, I'm sorry. The Browns trailed. For 59 minutes and 40 seconds and one. Trailed. Not didn't lead. Trailed. It's like the Lions watch like every movie where someone's going to prison. And, you know, they say the first thing you do, you look around the the room. Yeah, the Browns. I'm sorry. You see the biggest, baddest dude in the room and you walk right up to him and punch him right in the face. That's who the Browns are. Yeah. I'm just going to punch the Niners in the face. I'm just going to punch the Ravens in the face. I've got... Eagles, Lions, Chiefs, Ravens. That's my top four. And then my, I can't decide on five. I've we got. We can figure it out. We can figure it out next. Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens, Lions, Niners. I want to talk about the that fifth that fifth team with you uh, next. We got a break right now, and then we'll revisit your keys to the game yesterday because I think the Kings covered all three keys. We'll talk about that next on the uh, your keys to the Kings game. That is yes. We'll talk about that next on the Insiders. It's ESPN thirteen twenty. Now, back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Matson, Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. I'm Kyle. That's James. You know what, James? I'm here to report something. I'm reporting that I have interest in exploring acquiring $1 billion from a generous billionaire donor to be named later. Are you probing Possibly. the interest in the billion dollars? Yeah, I'm probing I'm probing interest among billionaires in giving me one billion dollars. That is something that I would be interested in according to my source. Do they have increased openness? <laughs> TBD on that. I don't understand. Doesn't probing typically lead to increased openness? I am literally wondering what like if did he use like chat GPT or whatever it's called to to like that would be so fun to hey, make <laughs> this tweet, but it was in like proctology. What would how would a proctologist uh like write this tweet <laughs> about the potential for Zach Levine to be maybe available? I'm confused. Just, just chat saying. GPT. GPT stands for Go Probing Teams. That's right. The, That's it. Yeah, yeah. Guilty probing teams. <laughs> Dude, who wants Zach Levine? This is not this is where I have a hard time with NBA discussions. Zach Levine is a dynamite basketball player. Okay. He's really good and he is so fun to watch. And I understand why the Bulls would look at him and go, you know what, man, that guy can really port it. Like he can he can shoot it. He can get up. He has got all the he's got all the tools. What has Zach Levine done to to as a, as a as a player and as a as a to help a team win, 
What's your favorite <sighs> Zach Levine playoff moment? I don't think Zach Levine's ever played in the playoffs. Am I am I wrong? And it's like in the NBA, if you're that good, if you're that level of player, you're the person that should be elevating these teams. And I just don't think he's there. And I get why people are are entranced by it and are led to believe that Zach Levine is that level of player because he's dynamic, he's really good. But who does he make better? And so you're going to get some poor team that goes and gives up a bunch of assets to go get Zach Levine so they can say, look, we got Zach Levine. And then, oh, it's not going to work out. Yeah. And that's not a shot at Zach. Like, I get why he's good, but he needs to be, like, frankly, like a sixth man on a good team. That's the kind of role where he would really thrive. If you're getting him to be your one or two, I think you're going to be left short. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I mean, there is, uh, he is a dynamic scorer, but the dude doesn't play defense at all. And, uh, like, maybe it, uh, part of, part of me, like, I watch, how they build out their roster or, or their rotation. And I'm, I'm like starting Colby white and him next to each other. It's like, what do you ask? Like, why not Alex Caruso? Why not one of the defensive players that you have? Cause you have a couple of good defensive guards hiding on that bench. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? Like, I, I don't understand it. And again, the Kings signed him to an offer sheet years ago. Mm-hmm. And then for some reason, Zach Levine is not someone who Kings fans have turned on. Like anytime someone talks trash about the Kings at all, it, Kings fans just pile on, right? So if a guy gets traded, like Jason Terry is like I, I public enemy city, number dude. one. I right? love this city. So I do much. too. Like they it's so great. It, public enemy number one is Jason Terry. Yeah, he didn't even like he didn't want to be here. The Kings waved him, and then he decided to go on a radio station like Houston and talk some mess about like why he wouldn't go to Sacramento. Well, Zach Levine signed an offer sheet for like $82 million and then has been very clear, oh, I didn't want to do that. I, I was just trying to get the money out of Chicago. Like it wasn't, I wasn't going to go to Sacramento. Like I didn't want to go there. Now, he might change his tune now because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I'd like to go to Sacramento because they're a winner. Sacramento Kings are a winner. Zach Levine, not so much. Not no. a winner. No, he he is not. not a winner. So he's the opposite of that. 28 years old, uh, never been to the playoffs. He's been to the playoffs once. Oh, my bad. They lost in five games, and he was actually pretty good. He oh. averaged, he had 18 and 10, 18 points, 10 boards in their first game, but two of 10 from three. In, in the playoffs, in that series, they lost in five to Milwaukee in 2022. Uh, he shot 42.9% from the field, 37.5% from three. He was 19, 5, and 6 for the series. Um, this year he makes $40 million. Next year, 43 The year after, 46 In 2026-27, um, which is, again, he, he will be 29 during this season. So 30, 31, 32. At 32 years old, uh, with a complete knee con- reconstruction at one point, he will make $49 million. Nope. That's, that's nuts, dude. I, that's I, such take, a bad contract. Take a pass. Take a pass on and that one. And, and again, a team can look at his... I get his numbers are good, and when you watch him, there are going to be moments where you're going, damn, this guy can play. Like I, get, I understand it. But if you're acquiring the assets you're going to have to give up to acquire Zach Levine, and then 
where you're going to be handcuffed by paying Zach Levine. You're not going to build a winner. You know where I would like to see him go? I'm a winner. The Washington Wizards. Oh, he'd be perfect. If you could do a trio. Zach Levine is the Michael Jordan of Jordan Pools. <laughs> if you had Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, and Zach Levine on the same team, that is that is a, their own type of big three. Three under 30. Wow. Wow. All right. I just, I don't know, man. Some poor team is going to, like the Rockets. I could see the Rockets being like, hey, hot start. Let's go get ZV. And they trade a bunch of assets and wind up wallowing in the play-in range for I could see someone, the duration of that deal. Someone like trying to talk OKC into like, oh, now you have a big, you now you have two big-time scores. God, I hope. Oh. Yeah. Sam Presti, please don't. Oh no, no! I'm he's, so he's high on the that. Thunder. I don't. He wouldn't take away touches from Shea. Yeah, I don't think he would do that. Did you? Mike Brown had a Sam Presti story the other day, real quickly. Mm-hmm. He said that uh, Sam Presti was like, you know, a young like intern guy, and um, with, when he was with the Spurs, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, um, I really like this Tony Parker kid," and so the Spurs worked him out, and it was ugly. Tony Parker had a disastrous workout. Sam Presti said, "Hey, before the draft, or maybe they had they had talked to him at the combine. They watched him at the combine. He was a mess. Mm-hmm. Right before the draft, Sam Presti said, "Hey, I think we need to give this Tony Parker kid one more look." They brought him in, and we're like, "Holy cow! How do we move up in the draft to get him?" Wow! Like that dude. Wow! Just he understands talent. He does. He he's got a an eye for talent. Yep. Yeah. And now OKC is loaded. Look at that. Yep. All right. You had three keys to the Kings game last night. I did. Domas domination. Check. 23-9 and 10 on 8 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from beyond the arc. He only took 10 shots, but he's dishing out assists. Jared Allen, a minus 25. Woodshed. When you're an opposing center, is minus 25. That means your center probably had a decent night. He did. All right. Find your pace. So here's... Something interesting. I had their pace higher than what you have it, but that's okay. So 92.9 was the number I saw. I saw, okay, so I have it pulled up. It's 95.5. Hmm. Um, Where are you looking? I'm looking at NBA.com. Oh, okay. So I'm going to trust NBA.com over basketball reference. Yeah, 95.5. Offensive rating, though, 137.5. And the, the the pace matters less to me than the urgency on offense. Like, you can tell there's more movement, there's more pace, it, just in the half court. Whether they're pulling the ball out of the basket and running or not matters less to me than when they get into the half court, they stay in motion the entire time, and that's what you're seeing, and that's why you're seeing so many easy buckets. Yeah, so. I think, you know, the reason why we, we concern ourselves with something like pace, because that's typically how you get your offensive rating up. It's typically how your offense works. Mm-hmm. If you can score 132 while not having a high-end pace, mm-hmm. that means you were spectacular. Yeah. Like what you saw was a clinic last yep. night. Was against yeah. one of the longest and most athletic teams in the in the NBA. Team, a, a team built to not have that happen to them. And then your last one was hit your threes. 20 of 42, 47.6%. When you're hitting 47% of your threes on any night, that's good. When you're hitting 47% of 42 of them, 
Mm. You're going to win a lot of games that way. So nice job, Kings, covering the James Ham keys to the game. And I think that's why they won. I think they listened to the, the program, and they said, hey, this is what we got to do tonight, guys. You heard it. You heard it from the hammer. That's right. That James awesome. Ham, he's watched a lot of bad basketball. We should probably <laughs> listen to him because he knows what bad basketball looks like, and we don't want to be that. All right. Jiffy Lube player of the game, fast break, Jiffy Lube fast break player of the game. Coming up next, we'll have that keyword for you, and we'll also get into the good, bad, and ugly of the Kings win over the Cavs last night. That's James Ham. I'm Kyle Madsen. We're the insider sponsored by Jiffy Lube here on ESPN 1320. Back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Coming up at noon, D'Lo and KC. Keep it locked right here. James and I are going to take you right up to noon. D'Lo and KC going to take it to four. Talking Kings Cavs. We've got Kings good, bad, and ugly to get to. That's something that we do after each and every Kings game. Diving into... Well, what was good, what was bad, and what was, you know, really, really bad. Not a ton of the bad and ugly when you control a game 132 to 120. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we dive into all of that, we have to name, James, our Jiffy Lube Fast Break player of the game. Oh. And it is, of course, De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, he returns last night. He was excellent. For Sacramento, I think you saw both in the box score and just watching just the energy that he brings, how differently their offense flows. Keegan Murray, excellent game. Kevin Herter, excellent game. Uh, Mike Brown gets his 400th win. He got the DPOG chain, chair, throne. No, it's a crown, crown now. It's a crown. But there's a throne with it as well. Now they bring in a chair. Uh, yep. It's a throne. That's more it's than a, a throne. Chair. That's it's a, a throne, throne for sure. He got the DPOG <laughs> accoutrements. I think Malik Monk called it. Mike had to sit in our little chair. <laughs> our little chair. You That's mean so the? Funny. You mean the throne? Yes. Yeah, that just that dude. I want to pull up to Thanksgiving with that throne. Okay. Just like you may still put me at the kids' table, <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. You know what's funny about the king, the kids' table in my family, is we're all like 30 now, but we still go sit at the quote unquote king's table. Spectacular, kids, Dave Garcia. King's table, kids' table. Dave Garcia for the win. All right, so the link is in the chat. ESPN1320.com is where you want to go. You click on the Jiffy Lube contest page. It's right there at the front. I'm at ESPN1320.com right now. It says Jiffy Lube on a big photo right in the front. You click that, and you enter the word Fox. F-O-X. We didn't even make it complicated. The I was going to go Foxy is... because that's what... Fox. Because that's what Mike Brown always calls him. Oh, yeah. But just Fox. F-O-X. Enter that keyword and you will be entered to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. We'll be giving away a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate after each and every Sacramento Kings game. That's right. Yeah. So be today's winner at ESPN1320.com. Click that contest page. Enter the word Fox. You'll be entered to win. Yeah. Everyone jump in. Let's do this. We, we need as many people as possible to get in on our contests and so you can win and we're just know. trying to give you stuff we are and this is Free this stuff. is the ground floor of some of the stuff we're doing with jiffy lube oh yeah you want to get in right now because bro. bro december 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 and this isn't even like hey we're talking this up because we've got something to give away but then it's like 
you know, kind of like, okay, that's a cool giveaway. This is what we have coming up in December is legitimately, and I've been part of giveaways, Clay Thompson signed jerseys, uh, 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 oh my God, like a, I almost said Joe Montana, Jerry Rice signed jersey, autographed cleats and shoes and, and footballs and basketballs. What we're giving away in December is the coolest giveaway I've ever been a part of. Oh, it's big. And it's not even, I don't even think it's close. It's it's substantial yeah. to quite substantial, Kyle. Yeah. So practice now. Practice entering now. <laughs> practice entering. At, ES, at ESPN1320.com. Get in there. Like, we'll we'll probably use some of the that leftover stuff for this big giant thing that we're doing. Oh. I don't oh. know. I don't wow. know. Wow. So enter that, enter oh. now. Like, make sure you understand. Like, jump on board right now. Dang. Let's go. I didn't go. know about that. Doing that off the cuff. I, didn't I don't know. know. Maybe I'm just making stuff up, bananas. Kyle. It's possible. Uh, speaking of the holidays, which is when around the time we'll be doing our giveaway, uh, you can rock out this holiday season with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra as they bring back the Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO, and more at the Golden One Center December 1st for two incredible shows. That's right. Not one, but two incredible shows. Enter online at ESPN1320.com and you can win a four-pack of tickets to the show. Tickets are available as well at Ticketmaster. All right. King's good, bad, and ugly. Good last night. You know what, James? I'm ready to say this. I'm confident in saying this. I thought the offense was good last night. Uh, I, too, believe the offense was good. What's next? All right. Offense is good. Next thing. No, they just... they and, and this kind of feeds into the rest of our points here. You got Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter looking very good offensively. Demonis Sabonis dominating again. De'Aaron Fox comes back and looks excellent. It looked like the it looks like the Kings' offense from last year that that set the highest offensive rating of all time. I loved watching the flow of their offense, and I just wonder if they had to pull some things back out of this offense because Fox wasn't there, and mm-hmm. because they didn't have the pressure that he was creating, and they tried to do something different. But everything moved smoothly. Like I even the cuts by Harrison Barnes. Even though he only had four shot attempts, um, I still thought like he that early in the game they had that play where Harrison Barnes went flying into the key. Uh, Demonis Sabonis bounced past it to Harrison Barnes, and he bounced it right back to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was sick! Spectacular. That was it. those little passes in a phone booth are my favorite thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Because Domas gave that up. Like okay, assist for me, and then good on Harrison for getting rid of it as the shot blocker came over. Yeah. Just getting it. Good shot, great shot. Well, I mean, you know, he does average one assist per game, Kyle. <laughs> that was it. That like, got out of the way early. We're all done. Speaking of Harrison Barnes, jokes aside, five boards last night for our guy. You love to see it from Harrison Barnes. That's what we've been asking for. Give me five to eight a night. That's all I need from Harrison Barnes. And against a bigger team like the Cavs, you need your big athletic wing to go up and get some boards. He did that. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for him. That he got involved in that way. Yes. More on Harrison Barnes coming up in a bit. The other thing, Keegan Murray's defense on Donovan Mitchell last night. I think I wrote it. Nope, I wrote Donovan. Good for me. His defense on Donovan Mitchell last night was the kind of thing that happens early in a season where you go, okay, it's a one-off. Like we saw him, we saw him defend Steph really effectively. We've now seen him defend Donovan Mitchell really effectively. It's like, okay, these are really nice building blocks to something special. Like this isn't oh Keegan Murray played 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 a little bit of good defense last night that that's cool yeah this is like oh your second or third best scorer your second or third option on offense is now also going to pick out and slow down the team's best 
perimeter player on offense and a like six foot two shooting guard. Yeah, six foot three shooting guard. Whatever. I, Donovan Mitchell isn't very tall. The leap for Keegan Murray. Yes, it was going to be a little bit offensively, but it was really going to be defensively. If he was going to become that true, like all star caliber player, he was going to probably have to do it on on both ends. Yeah. Pause. And he was dynamite last night. I thought he was. Defensive I thought he was spectacular. If he's going to defend one through four like that, well, if he's going to defend a a thirty point per game guy, mm-hmm. then yes, like what in the world? Yeah, that I'm was in. that was bananas. Again, you have to see it through the course of a full season, and you even said even over the course of next season as well. Yeah, but that is that is a tremendous early sign for Keegan Murray. Well, not. Oh, there were a couple possessions. It's like, man, that was a whole game of really good defense. I'd also say, Kyle, he's not a player that, like, or personality that is going to dabble in things. It's not <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like he's going to. Yeah, he commits all the way. Oh, I'm going to try this and see if it works out. I, I appreciate people that commit to the bit. Yeah. And my man does that. Let's get to some of the. Oh, you had one more good thing on here. Oh, uh, Sasha finds his joy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I good for Aaron Fox said it. Like he's having a good time playing basketball all of a sudden. And like he said initially, I think it was a little bit hard. He's here on his own. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know anybody. He's trying to make friends. He's trying to fit in. And uh like all those things are hard. You know, he's probably a little homesick. And he got thrust into a spot where there was some pretty significant pressure on him out of the gate. Yeah. Like, hey, here's a couple injuries. Go in there and and be a really good NBA player and help us make up for the loss of our best player. Okay, go 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 go. Yeah, like that's that's really tough. Yeah, and even you know the Trey Lyles thing. Like Trey yeah. Lyles is a very good NBA player. Yeah, that's what I said. The loss of their best player. Oh yeah yeah of course. My bad, my bad, Kyle. <laughs> no, I, but to your point, Trey Lyles being out put a lot on Sasha Vizankov as well. Yeah, but good for him. Smaller role. Had a ton of fun with it last night. And uh, found his joy. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the bad, Kyle. All right. Uh, Harris Barnes is a lone starter not to make an impact. Hmm. I mean, you had four guys score 20 points or more. Yeah. Each of them started the game. The one guy who had four points on two of four shooting, uh, was it four? Was it five? Is Harrison Barnes. Bless you. Excuse me. I don't. I hmm. So that's not good for sure. But four points, five boards, three assists. He goes two of four. Ideally, that number of field goal attempts would would creep up a little bit. But we talked about this earlier. I think this might just be kind of where Harrison Barnes is. It might. He's the fifth. He's the fifth best offensive player in their starting lineup. Okay, and what what I think you mean by just where he is. Like, it's that he is the fifth option. Not that, like, Harrison Barnes is a bad basketball player. No, not at all. Yeah, because he's still shooting the ball really well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's it's interesting. No, this is what what Sacramento wants. Yeah. Like, I promise, they don't want Harrison Barnes shooting it 14 times a night or 12 times a night. Yeah. If you're just getting a ton of possessions and that's just the flow of the game, okay, I mean, fine. But it was... 13 shots for Keegan Murray. Ideally, that's probably a, a tick or two higher, but but not going to complain. 20 for De'Aaron Fox, okay. 
10 for Demonis Sabonis, again, on a, on a different night. Maybe it's a couple more. But then it's 11 for Kevin Herter. There's just not a ton of shots to go around. And yeah. there weren't, there weren't like, you, like both teams shot it really well. There weren't a ton of possessions last night. Yeah, and I think the natural, like, succession plan has always been for this to be sort of something that happens, right? Where Harrison Barnes takes less and less shots and, and other guys, whether it's De'Aaron Fox, whether it's Keegan Murray, whether mm-hmm. it's Sabonis, whether it's Herter, whether it's Monk, whatever. Those guys start to take on more and more as you start to, you know, like not fade out Harrison Barnes, but as he takes a lesser role. Mm-hmm. I think the problem that you have is that when De'Aaron Fox goes out, he has to be able to go up to a, a different level again. And we didn't see that. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes. Mm-hmm. Like if Harrison Barnes is just averaging 12 points a game, but he's scoring 12 points every game, that's one thing. But for Harrison Barnes to score 33 in the opener <laughs> and since that time average like seven points a game, that's not the what you expected. You didn't expect the fall that quickly. Yeah, just cratered. It yeah. was like he went, my job here is done offensively. But I, this is where I leave my, you, boys. Mike, Bra- <laughs> Mike Brown said it after after the home opener, and it's it really stuck with me because I've been I've been as hard as anybody on Harrison Barnes, but he basically said just within the flow of the offense, the shots just didn't get to him. And Harrison Barnes isn't the kind of player a not the kind of personality, and b knows his role on this team is not where he's going to go demand the basketball. And be like, I'm going to bring it up the floor. I'm going to initiate the offense. Run it through me. That's just not... At this point, with where... I'm not even going to say where he is. Where the rest of this Kings roster is, when Kevin Herter's as hot as he's been, when Keegan Murray is as important to the Kings as any player on their roster, when it's De'Aaron Fox and Damana Sabonis, Harrison Barnes is kind of like, hey, you're going to hang out in the corner. And if it gets cycled around to you, hopefully you cash that three. But like beyond that, yeah. Do you want him to if a guy if there's a hard closeout, you want to see him put it on the deck and try and get to the line? Yeah, sure. If Keegan Murray or Kevin Herter in foul trouble, you want to see him shoot a little more, sure. But with how well those guys are playing right now, I I honestly I commend Harrison Barnes for being like, a good a good teammate. Yeah. And just yeah. be like, all right. Now the problem is is he would do that even if they weren't playing well. The, the problem that I have is it's the Houston games where you had an opportunity to be part it. of it and you didn't point. you didn't jump up and or the Portland game where, you know, he did struggle defensively, although defensively, like his metrics are good for the season, um, even including the the game against uh, Jeremy Grant since since the opener against the Jazz, 41.8 percent from the field on seven shots a game. 31.3% from three on four attempts a game. He's at eight and a half points, three boards, one assist. Okay, that's not great. It's not awesome. The only issue for me here, though, again, we, I'm, I'm not even going to bring up the rebounds. We all know. It's that shooting percentage because that's what he's going to be now. He's probably going to be a three and D wing. And so I just, I need him up closer to 37, 38%. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Anyways. Okay, what else do we have? Tough for we have Barnes. Oh, the Alex bad. Len injury. The Alex Len injury. Man, okay, so, uh, like, Karis LeVert for a guy who can score so well, my goodness, is he a sloppy player. Yeah, I was. I, I said that I liked Harris, Karis LeVert's game. I don't. 
No, no, it's head that down. Was, that was premature by me. He had he, a couple of good moments. Yeah, like he, it's just sloppy. All of it. He he's bouncing the ball off of people's feet. He's throwing the ball all over the place. Um, you know, he's not a great ball handler. Still, he's reckless. He is reckless for a player who who is thought of in the way that he is. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you're watching like summer league and there's a guy who is like Crash Davis out there just like crushing everybody and mm-hmm. falling on people, you know, like Moses Brown is a guy who like he, Moses Brown comes in the game, you instantly take all your starters off the court. <laughs> like that's you're like, "Oh no, no, no. No, no. I'm not I'm yeah. not having a 7 foot 1 guy who can't fully control his body swinging at a at at a guy coming to, you know, trying to score a basket." All right. Well, enough about JaVale McGee. Yeah. So, um, Karis LeVert just like, he just like tumbled and and for some reason, and Alex Lynn comes flying in from the side and you're like, what is Alex Lynn doing? And then there goes Karis LeVert rolls right up on Alex's ankle. We didn't, we haven't heard an update yet, at least not that I've heard. Mm -hmm. Um, but it sure did look like a high ankle sprain, uh, which is not good. Like I watched Alex Lynn was in a lot of pain laying on the ground. And so, uh, next man up, man, JaVale McGee time. Um, and again, it's only a matter of time before Trey Lyles is back. I believe, I mean, it's possible Trey Lyles will just continue to be out forever and we have no idea. Um, but it's not like the Kings have hit anything from us. It's a calf strain. Mm-hmm. He's talked to the media. He's done everything that, you know, you would typically ask. Um, but we've reached this point where you just have no idea when he's coming back. I really hope Alex Lund's okay, man. Yeah, me too. Guys battled through injuries his entire career. Finally found like a nice little role here in SAC. I mean, obviously a minimal role, but really effective at it. So hopefully he's not out for too long. And now it's up to JaVale McGee to to step back in. Plus, he's a very good dude. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like Alex and like, uh, like I, I've always like, I take time out of my day to say hello to Alex mm-hmm. uh, just because he had, you know, the Ukraine stuff happening in his life and still has happening in his life, friends and family in danger and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's one of those things where, um, you know, you got to touch base with the guy. Here's here's a fun stat really quick before we go on to the next one. Please. On the season, uh, Harrison Barnes, defensive, uh, his defense against three-point shots, he's negative 0.1 on the season. Two-pointers, negative 1.1. Less than six feet, negative 2.9. Less than 10 feet negative 0.2 overall a negative 0.7 defender on the season greater than 15 feet negative 1.1 uh harrison barnes is really playing defense well good yeah excellent that's three and d there it is that's where he's at yep not a bad thing but he's in his early 30s and there's a bunch of young up-and-coming scorers alongside him yeah What did I, uh, one, one ugly thing for me. Yep. And this is something that Allison Marie in the YouTube chat brought up. The Cavs hit 45.7% of their threes and were nearly 50% from the field. I mean, they, they got blown out still, but that's not what you want to see if you're the Kings. No. Especially when you're making as many shots as the Kings did, where you're getting a chance to go back and set up your defense. It's like, it was a ton of live ball turnovers and easy layups. So that's, that's ugly, but. When your offense looks that good, it's it's tough to nitpick. Like, yeah, oh, but the Cavs shot this percentage. I agree. Um, they got to clean it up for sure, but in a one-off, 
think it's okay. I, I think so too. I think it's a one-off. Um, I, I didn't put this one on here, but one of the other uglies is, man, Chris Duarte just can't stop fouling people. Bro. He had four fouls in nine Bro. minutes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's like he comes into the game and there's an like the, the pace and the flow just grind to a halt. Like, it, he had two fouls within, like, 30 seconds. I don't think I've ever been more wrong about a player in his fit on a team. Kyle, you know how many personal fouls he's averaging per 36? Oh, I can't wait to hear it. 7.9. Oh, my God. He could potentially lead the league in personal fouls playing, like, eight minutes a game. I want to see if he does. Where does he Where does he rank? It's got to be high, man. I, I don't know. Uh, for me, I feel bad for him. He just, he can't calm down. He can't settle in to a role. Um, so he's a mess. And then talking about guys who can't settle into a role, I think the biggest thing from last night, the biggest uh, ugly mm-hmm. that we have is that Davion Mitchell got a DMP CD. Yeah. Kyle, that shot's fired, man. That's wild. That shot's fired. That is nuts dude they cleared the bench late and davion mitchell didn't play they cleared the bench and davion mitchell didn't play in the final two minutes so i'm not sure what's uh where we're gonna see this thing go we had audio which we forgot to play earlier uh of mike brown oh no we 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 will get into this tomorrow we have speaking of two minutes we have less than that right now that's a good idea but there's a ton to get into with and i'm sure d'lo and casey who are coming up are gonna get into it but you and I will dive into this tomorrow because this is – I didn't want to spend an entire show after a win. Yeah. Talking about Davion Mitchell not playing, but boy, when you start to chart what this team looks like post-trade deadline. Yeah. Circle last night's DNPCD as a – that's the word I'm looking for. Warning? Is uh, or a foreshadowing. Omen? Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. That's very good. Yeah. All right. But anyways – Fun show. Hey, we survived. I like talking about the Kings winning way more than I like talking about whatever we did in 2018 on the radio. Oh, it's yeah. just way more fun. Yeah, way more fun. Way more fun. <laughs> uh, James, I appreciate you, everybody in the chatty house, everybody listening on the free Odyssey app and on terrestrial radio. Shout out to all of you. Uh, we appreciate it. Had a ton of fun doing this as we do every single day. Make sure to enter our Jiffy Lube gift certificate contest. You can win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate at ESPN1320.com. Click the Jiffy Lube link right at the front. You can't miss it. Enter the code word FOX for your chance to win a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. That's going to do it for us. He's James Ham. I'm Kyle Madsen. D-Lo and Casey are next on ESPN1320. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 